Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the ninth episode from Netflix TV series The Haunting of Hill House titled Screaming Mimi's. I had no idea what that meant. I had to look I it up. <laughs> it was creepy though. It was creepy. It was so creepy. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this one. This one, um, gosh, for a penultimate episode, they really kind of put you through the ringer again. Mm-hmm. Like they do every episode. <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised. Um, well, I'm excited to, to to just jump into our top five. So I'll jump in this week with my number five if you are ready to go. Um, I wanted to just kind of mention first, uh, when Olivia talks about the storm when she was a child, um, I was just, it, it kind of made me curious when she's talking about that with Mrs. Dudley as they're cleaning up in the hallway. This is after the storm at Hill House and all of the windows busted out. Mrs. Dudley's up there cleaning it out or cleaning it up. Um, Olivia stops and she's talking to her and she's helping her clean up. She starts talking about her, you know, her father passes away suddenly when she's 12. She talks about how she like didn't cry. It's like, it's like maybe she was in shock or, but whatever, but it all came out like a couple of days later. And she felt like her emotions, you know, like all the emotions of that age and her grief and everything happened all in that one moment and causes huge storm where rocks, like real rocks fell from the sky. It wasn't hail or ice or anything like that. And I found that really interesting and she really believes that she caused it to happen. I wasn't quite sure what to make of the story. I don't know why, but I feel like there must have been some type of significance to her telling the story because they spent so much time on it. And it was so yeah. well acted, you know. Um, so was, I wanted to get your thoughts on it and what you thought of that that scene. I mean, it was a it, it's it's feel like this is kind of the theme of the show is like you get something that seems kind of sweet or kind of like pulling on your heartstrings mm-hmm. and it just takes a weird left turn and you're like, okay, now I'm just freaked out. Yeah. And that's what happens here. She's talking about the story and I, I, I can't associate with much besides um, like, like you said, she felt like she caused this thing to happen and she, she seemed to kind of try to justify it because she's like, well, I researched and it happened, you know, once in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And then she said it happened once again here, but that was because of a volcano and she kind of pauses, and that's when Mrs. Dudley chimes in. She's like, it also happened in Revelations. Yeah, that I did make note that she said it happened in biblical, you yeah. know, Revelations. And that so kind of gave like, me uh-oh. a little chill down the spine of like, oh, <laughs> uh, what's the illusion? What's, what was she alluding to here? Yeah. But, I mean, this is a girl, a, a woman that's going through a lot of stuff right now. And, you know, to add on top of this, it just kind of adds to the – the thought of, well, maybe she's experienced a lot of stuff in her past mm-hmm. that, you know, Hill House is either bringing more to the forefront or maybe maybe she's feeding Hill House somehow or I'm not right. really sure. But, but it, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking too, at least along those lines, at least just things I'm kind of throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks. And it's like, does this – you know, somehow make her more vulnerable. Is there something about her? We know that she's special, right? That she's talked to Theo that, you know, I've got a gift. You have a gift. Your grandmother had a gift. Um, Is this somehow uh, this energy that she has, this 
uh, special thing about her? Is this allowing the house to feed off of her? Because they, uh, Mrs. Dudley mentions later when they're having a conversation, I'm going to call it the garden. It's where all the weird statues are. Yeah. That- um, uh, they were sitting in that little room. Um, and she mentions, you know, I didn't want to have to be here to watch this house feed on anything again. And it feels like that's kind of what's happening is that house is kind of feeding off of her. And I didn't know if it was because she's special or if there's something just about her that, you know, the house is attracted to her. Um, if it, if this somehow makes her more, more vulnerable, to the house? Does the house just affect everyone? Does it not matter? I don't know. I just thought it was interesting, but I thought it had to be somewhat significant um, why, you know, they spent so much time on it because it was really well acted, you know, um, you know, Olivia, um, the way she's talking about it and the look on Mrs. Dudley's face as she's talking, she looks scared yeah, and um, also fascinated at the same time. It's, well, she had a really great range of emotions on her face. The compa- comparison to that is when uh, Poppy is in the red, I think it's the red room that she's in with Olivia mm-hmm. and she's telling her about like the story of her kids dying. Yes. You know, cause it's basically kind of like, oh, cool story, bro. Like she's sitting there like going, talking about like, oh, my kid died and drowned, yada, yada, yada. And then she's like, but it was just a dream. And that's kind of what lived in the scene. She's like, oh, I thought I caused these rocks to fall through and everything, but, but it happened before, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all's well, right? I'm not right causing not- the end times, am I? Not causing the problems. Yeah, because it's like, I think that's kind of the the part that we're kind of wondering about is, is how much of this is the house causing what's happening, especially what we finally see in this episode as, as we expose what, what really happened in getting Liv's perspective. How much of, of it is Liv? How much of it is the house affecting Liv? Which I, I don't think we know yet, but it just those kinds of questions. And that's why I didn't know, you know, just kind of throwing that out there. I just thought it was really interesting. I thought it was a really good story. thought it was interesting. I don't know the significance if there is any significance, but I thought, well, they, they took the time on it. So I thought it was worth mentioning. So that's my number five. I like it. Uh, my number five, uh, is simply just a cut scene. So, uh, we covered, uh, Castle Rock and it had some, a very similar episode to this one, to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, I won't go into to Castle Rock in case you haven't seen it, but, you know, we get to see Liv in all these situations throughout the season where she's either talking somewhere or something happens, she comes to, but you don't really see her perspective of it. Right. But this episode, we got to see a ton of that. So, you know, the scene when Steve walks in and she's talking to the the twins' beds, you mm. know, we see that she actually thought it was night and a very creepy monologue, not really a monologue, but very creepy uh, explanation from young Nell talking about like she'd basically going to kill herself. And yes. then you have kid Luke talking about putting poison in his body, which was freaky as hell. It was. And again, like you asked the question, I guess I won't bury, uh, yeah, I'll bury the lead on, I won't, or I'll, I'll keep that hidden. But again, you just kind of question like, what's doing this? Is it, is it the house? Is it, is it actually live? That's just kind of having like, like, is she just kind of insane and the house is bringing it out of her? You know, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we go to the, uh, painted dresser or I guess vanity um, that uh, Steve put for uh, Liv and we saw her freak out when she got it and she punches it and what she sees she saw a grown up uh, Luke and Nell dead and so you you get to see a lot of these things from her perspective which kind of helps enforce like why she was um, freaking out like she was like we see how she ended up on top of her husband with a screwdriver 
Yeah. You, know, you get to see all these things and it kind of puts some stuff in a little bit more perspective. It actually, to me, honestly, this episode made the whole previous episodes a little less scary. Yeah. Because you kind of saw it more from a humanistic perspective. Like, again, like, is it the house? Is it live? I mean, this this realistically could just be a family that's got a lot of stress and somebody that has just a mental breakdown. Like, this could not – this you take all the ghost stuff out of this and it's a struggling family trying to deal with mental illness. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. I'm gonna. I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because it kind of goes into into my number four a little bit, which is descent into madness. Um, seeing seeing Liv's perspective, and and like you said, it kind of takes some of the scariness out of it because when we see in the very first episode. Uh, uh, from Steven's perspective and his dad is carrying him out of his bedroom and running down the hall. And in the, fo- in the background you see Liv. Yeah. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You're freaking <laughs> You're doing the motion. You see Liv coming around the corner and she's like, she's limping and, and she, she looks crazed and mad. Um, and then that's pretty much all that we get of her, but it looked really scary. And at the time you didn't know, uh, was it a ghost? Was it Liv? We assumed and, and assumed right that it was Liv at the time. Uh, you know, but was she dead? Was she a ghost? Was she, you know, was she, you know, what was happening? You know, we were just all confused. Well, now we get that. And, and like you said, it, sh- it, it sheds light on, on, you know, these tiny little pieces from all the kids perspectives that we've gotten and the stories that we were told, um, that the kids remember and what they experienced during those last few days of, of what happened. And now we get the whole thing. We get Liv's perspective and, and yeah, it, it is less scary. And, and really it just, it was sad. This yeah. whole, you know, I don't know why, why I expected to get anything different um, out of this damn series, because all I've done is either uh, been scared half to death by all the jump scares or the damn hidden ghosts, or I'm crying the rest of the time, you know, because it's so emotional. Ghosts weren't very hidden in this episode. They were not very hidden in this episode at all. And I, and I don't know what's worse. The ones that are just that you could just see half of them behind, tucked behind a a corner somewhere, or the ones that are like, Hey, hi, I'm right here. Standing here. (laughs) Staring. I'm just Nobody gonna watch can see you, me but you. I'm just gonna watch you while you're screaming about clothes and arguing <laughs> about clothes here in the kitchen. <laughs> ah! Well, I mean, the it's one when she up. was leaving too it was just at the edge of the stairs, just standing there. Yeah, yeah. There's oh god, you know these damn ghosts. Uh, they, they they've certainly gotten more brazen. It's kind of like as the house is becoming more exposed and we're learning more about it, the ghosts are kind of like you know, oh, it's okay for us to peep out now. Uh, like I, the uh, the clock ghost, the clock yeah, fixing ghost. Just hanging He's just, out. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stand here, and I'm gonna fix the clock. And then the next time, I'm just gonna stand here next to the clock. Yeah. I'm just gonna hang out. Well, I think that's kind of a. What was it? Uh, whenever I talk to some people that did that investigations, it's like he's kind of the of the opinion. Like if you start to notice them, they start to notice you, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the ghosts are like, oh, like these are real people here, not just yeah. other ghosts. And so then it's kind of like first it's curiosity, you're kind of peeking around a little bit, and then you're like, oh, okay, well we'll just hang out with you guys and. Mess with you a little bit. And mess with you, they do. I like that. That's a really good number five. Well, like I said, that kind of goes into my number four a little bit, which was um, Descent into Madness. And so I mentioned uh, when we um, first kicked it off here, uh, I didn't know what a screaming Mimi was. Um, I didn't think I liked the sound of it, that's for sure. But I did look it up and... What I found is a screaming Mimi isn't actually a nightmare. Um, as Poppy tells us, um, of course, we know who's the flapper um, who visits Olivia. 
Um, so according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the phrase originated in 1927 as a term for drunkenness or hysterics. Uh, during World War, War II, it was a nickname for a type of rocket fired fi- fired by the Germans that made a screaming or shrieking sound, but the drunkenness meaning came first. So uh, it looks like it had a couple of meanings there. In the context of the episode, this actually makes perfect sense because what Olivia experiences isn't really nightmares. Uh, whether her visions are hysteria brought on by a combination of stress, isolation, or her innate mental fragility, or in fact somehow induced by the house remains an open question. So that is, I think that kind of opens up a little bit of context into this episode and what that means, because we we hear it repeated uh, quite often. And I this episode was so sad to watch how we saw, like you said, these transitions of where she's having, um, she's calling them dream. Oh, I'm having this horrible dream. And that's what she tells Hugh when, when uh, he wakes up to find her with the screwdriver at his neck. Yeah. And that's after she had just visited with Poppy uh, in, in I'm calling it the red room uh, that they're in. It's in this episode, it is Liv's reading room, which is again, another, um, Oh, what do you mean this room exists? Because Luke, when the kids are, when they're kind of fighting over uh, Cheryl's clothes and Olivia goes down there and gets a glass of water and takes some medicine for her headache. And um, they, she's like, if you need me, I'm going to be in my reading room. And Luke goes, mm, yeah. What's her? What did he say? What's her reading room or yeah, something like the that? Reading room. Yeah, just like everyone's like, what treehouse? What? Yeah. What playroom? What game room? I'm starting to buy into your theory that all these rooms are the red room. I think it is, but it's it's really sad to see her downfall. It's she, they seem like such a loving family. She seemed, you know, like a great mom. She loved her family, loved her husband, and to see her, you know, we talked a little bit about in the last episode um, about her slow decay into this put together person, into this frazzled person who doesn't know what's real and what's not. And and now we're seeing this, that it almost seemed constant for her these last few days, yeah. that it was just constant. She's having these constant headaches, constant pain from her headaches. She's constantly thinks that what she's, what she's looking at is real. But then, like you said, Steve comes in behind her when she thinks that she's putting the twins to bed and she snaps out of that. And she just, she's like, she, she just doesn't even know what's real anymore. Um, and I just, I can't think of how mis- how terrible that it must be to be in that kind of state to not really know and to think that the reality is the big bad and that death is the waking release from it. Um, what does and that's the thing. So this ties into my number one. I think it's going to be kind of a, a a question throughout, but I really am curious. Like, is it the house or is it live? Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, there's situations where you just kind of see her to start falling deeper and deeper into this like madness. Mm-hmm. And even when she leaves, like she says, okay, I'm going to go to my sister's house. I need this. She leaves. though it seems to be on good terms, but she doesn't even go to her sister's house. She goes to a hotel and at the hotel, she doesn't look like she's sane. Like no. she looks like she's still struggling with something. Yeah. And so I'm, I just don't know if like, you know, let, let's say that, you know, what if they got, you know, big house in California that they needed to flip and they still had all these issues. Would something like this still happen? Or was this something that because of this specific house and because of the specific ghost poppy, she kind of played on that and pushed her further into that insanity. Yeah, I'm leaning just my own personal belief anyway, is that it's the house. I have to believe now maybe there is 
some fragility in Olivia that has made her more vulnerable to it, maybe. Maybe there are others that are stronger and able to like not uh, fall into its trap. Uh, maybe it wouldn't matter. I don't know. But I feel like it's the house that's doing mm. it to her. I feel like she was, you know, I don't buy Steve's whole, it's all mental illness and it just runs in the family and we're all affected. I just, I, I call BS on that because I think he's in denial about it. Um, but I think, I know that she looked really kind of out of it. She did not seem herself when she was at the motel. And did you notice that that was like the same motel room that Mel like was the in one, yeah. and the same one that uh, Hugh took the children to after he took them away from the house that night, it looked like the same exact room was just ugh, freaky. Um, but I think it was part of, I think that the house still had a hold on her, but I also think she's already in this state of belief that her children are not safe. And they're not safe without her. You know, we, she's had this whole conversation with Poppy uh, about how, you know, we can't protect them forever. But what if there was a way you could keep them safe forever? Um, and then she talks with Mrs. Dudley. And Mrs. Dudley's like, you know, don't let anyone ever, you know, um, make you feel that you don't know what's right for your what's right for your children. You trust your gut. And yeah. it's, you know, your job to keep them safe and only you know what's right. So she's already, she's reinforcing this whole thing. Was that bad advice? from Miss Dudley because I think you know it's like I think I, I honestly believe like you should always trust your gut like mm-hmm, 100% absolutely. if you're in a spot and you're like this doesn't feel right don't stick with it because absolutely you know there's probably there, we are animals to an extent and that's just yes. a danger symbol but in this situation again she's kind of fallen down this path of insanity this path of madness mm-hmm. and so her gut is reinforcing her bad and in- not bad intentions but her bad thought process of saying, oh my gosh, we're all asleep. The only way for us to wake up is to die. Yeah. I I think that Mrs. Dudley meant right. And I think had she known, which no one does obviously, but I think had she known what was going through Olivia's mind and that she had, or, you know, had this conversation with Poppy, you know, who's clearly insane, um, that she wouldn't have said what she said, but I, I would have said exactly what Mrs. Dudley said. I'm very big. And, you know, if something doesn't feel right, trust your gut always. If something, Mm. if you ever get that instinct uh, feeling that something is off, something is doesn't feel right. You know, like when you're maybe in a dangerous type situation or, you know, the hairs raise up on the back of your neck that you don't ever, ever, you know, not trust that. So I'm big on that. Um, so I, I, I could see myself saying the exact thing. And the only problem is, is that she just didn't know what was already going through Olivia's head, that it was reinforcing something really bad. Yeah. I think she was more like, Hey, trust your gut. So if your gut says, get out of the house, get out of the house. Exactly. I, I'm, and I'm kind of surprised that that conversation with Mrs. Dudley didn't go just a little bit different because they talked a little bit about, cause Olivia's like, Oh, well, it's just a house. And she looks at her and she goes, maybe, but, you know, she's like, you know, I won't stay here after dark. You know, she t- she tells her that that whole thing. Um, so I was really kind of surprised that uh, she didn't I, – I didn't really expect her to spill her whole story. We heard it from Mr. Dudley about their, their history with the house, um, which was really great. So I didn't really expect her to do that. But I'm surprised she didn't try to encourage her more to leave the house. Like maybe it's time you go get a break. Maybe, yes, you know, your kids are you, – you need to keep your kids safe. But why don't you take your kids away from this house, get yourself out of this house, and take a little bit of a break? I don't know why she didn't try to reinforce that a little bit. She did try to say, well – you know, you should try to be out of here by August or you should try to be out of here when you think you're, yeah. you're going to be done with these renovations. But she didn't quite 
you know, she, she focused more on the, you know, trusting your instincts and keeping your kids safe more than I would have been like, you know, maybe you do need to take a break from this house. You need to get out. Um, but I think, I think her intentions were good though. So good. Number four. Uh, yeah, what's your number four? Well, I'm going to jump into it, but you kind of already dropped her name, but it's Poppy. Yeah. So we get a little bit more face of FaceTime with her. Um, mm-hmm. God, when Liv wakes up and she looks and sees <laughs> this like thing, I couldn't tell what it was. So I had to rewind it and pause it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's that's 50s or 30s, you know, hipster girl, Poppy. And what we see, you know, she walks out and Poppy's standing over her husband which he's passed out asleep still. God, uh, creepy as hell. Uh, but you know what? I think Poppy's got a little thing for Hugh. You know, I think, I think she she's does. she's got a little bit of a sweet spot for him. Um, but the whole interaction between those two was like again, you'd see these scenes where Poppy would be behind Liv and she'd look like a beautiful, you know, like normal person. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then in one instant she'd be back to her ghostly decaying Old. version. She yeah. looked kind of old uh in in one scene. So, but and that's where I keep going back to live is like is live seeing the poppy she wants to see or she's cuz it's all kind of like where does the the supernatural where does the mental take effect? Like Yes. You know, cuz whenever whenever anybody else is kind of seeing these ghosts, they don't see them as these beautiful things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whenever uh like the bit neck ladies, you know, scary um but whenever, whenever she sees Poppy in those senses, like, again, more questions than answers. And I don't know if the show's going to answer it, but, like, how does that work with her mind? Is she seeing it for what she wants to see or is she seeing what Poppy wants her to see, I guess is the best way to put it. Right. Yeah, I know. I thought that myself. I was like, gosh, why? It's interesting that we're seeing her young and beautiful, like when we saw that picture of her when we were first introduced to her in the last episode when they found her picture in the vanity and um, Mrs. Dudley talked about her. So we were introduced to her then. We see her as this, uh, you know, young, beautiful. She looks vibrant. I mean, she's dead and a ghost, but she you know, she looks, she looks um, you know, young and beautiful and vibrant. And then, yeah, in a couple scenes we see her, she looks old and, um, you know, clearly dead and slightly decayed. And, uh, but, you know, it's her and I don't know I don't know what we're really supposed to think of that like you said if it's a projection uh, that that's what um, what the person sees uh, because the house is messing with them or is it what that ghost wants them to see I don't know but I do find it interesting I did did make note of that and we've kind of talked about that a little bit too with some of the different other ghosts that we see in the house because we see live in different states too Um, you know, sometimes the kids see her as, you know, like they remember her and then other times they see her as dead and with her head cracked open and, you know, so I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. I'm again, I'm not sure from this episode, I'm not sure if she's the big bad or not. Um, again, like maybe the house is the big bad. Maybe there's not really a big bad, uh, but I was just, if I was Hugh, I would have liked to look up, like wake up when she was looking over me. That would have been pretty nice, but you know, you think so? You don't. You wouldn't be scared if you woke up and I don't know. I have a thing for like that thirties, like you know, prohibition era outfits, like yeah. you know, zoot. Like, I guess they weren't zoot suits then, but like suits, like those nice faux, those mm-hmm. feather boas, and like the swing dancing kind of stuff. Like that would have been an awesome time to live, I guess. But oh gosh, yes, I, I think I was um at, at, at somewhere in the nineteen twenties flapper in my previous life somewhere. <laughs> I, I love that time period too. Um, 
kind of obsessed. Um, great but costumes, great dresses. Even in death, I think Poppy's still a little insane. So clearly, yeah, she Poppy's actually my number three. So I'll just chime uh, and and add to that. I think she seems like a kind of like a fun kind of crazy, but yeah. <laughs> She's the kind of crazy like you want to date in college but not marry. Right. Like she's, she's she's the girl that you're going to have a great time with, you're going to party with, you guys are going to have a, like a fun stories that you'll never tell your wife when you actually get married. Right. But She's not a keeper. No. Uh, yeah, clearly she's insane. And But she did such a wonderful job. I, I should have really gotten the actress's name. I've been terrible in the series about not getting all of the uh, actors and actresses' names. And, and for that, I apologize. I'll try to straighten my shit up for the last episode. Um, but the actress that played Poppy, she was so great in that scene in the Red Room when she's yes. telling Liv her story. And she's talking about her children. And she you can kind of see this mad look in her eye as she's sitting there talking and she and then all of a sudden you just kind of see this little change in her where she kind of comes back down and she's like almost sane again mm-hmm. and um I, I just really found 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 that really interesting and thought the actress did a really great job of, of you know kind of going um showing how insane that she is and we can see how insane she is poor to live can't seem to decipher that to her she's making complete sense um so talking about that a little bit, um, I wanted to get your opinion on what you think happened to her kids. So um, she says that her daughter uh, was drowning, like she's gasping for air and talking about how much she, that she's gasping. She talks about her little boy uh, just all of a sudden couldn't walk one day and and he couldn't speak and he couldn't move. Um, so I, I, I did some reading. I saw something on Reddit that someone had mentioned that there was a story on Reddit and I can put links up or I'll show you guys or tell you or whatever if you want it. But there was a story written from one of the show's writers and it, he wrote this story um, and he called it, um, I think he called it Poppy. Poppy Hill is the name of the story on Reddit. And in that story, it says that her daughter drowned in concrete. Uh so I don't know if that is the backstory. I don't know if the story that we get here from this show's writer is actually the back. I didn't get a chance to read all of it. I was kind of pressed for time and it was kind of long. So I tried to skim through it really quick, quickly, but that's uh, a summary of what they said happened to her daughter. I'm guessing the boy died from polio. Um, well, that's my the boy guess. we probably saw in the wheelchair. Maybe, maybe. And cause she talked about him like, Banging and banging and banging. That might have been him in his wheelchair trying to get out of a room. Maybe. Like she could have been a mom that with her issues was like, no, Tim, you stay in your room and I shut the door. And he's like, I want out. Like all Mm -hmm. you could do is bang against the door. Do you think that she killed her kids? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. It sounds like almost like they died on their own, but she and she wasn't able like they died. Well, it sounds if if you believe the story that was on uh, Reddit and her daughter drowned in concrete, there's some theories going around that she died of like whooping cough mm. or something, something like that. Um, I mean, Maybe. if you if you go with those illnesses, her children could have died of natural causes and she felt like she couldn't protect them. And, you know, it just probably drove her more insane uh, yeah. than what she was. Um, and, and now that's why she's ended up telling Liv, you know, Hey, I know how you can keep your children with you forever. They can stay young forever. They can stay this way forever. And maybe that's why she's whispering in here. Cause she didn't do that to her own children. They died of natural causes. So they mm-hmm. didn't stay around maybe or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 
I feel like I can't answer a lot of questions around Poppy because she's so vague. Like, yeah. Well, and, like, and she's a liar. It's true. Yeah. At least according to what's her, is it? Oh, what's her name? Is it? It's one of the, it's the one of the hills. The I'm going to call her the, Grandma, but <laughs> yeah, something hill. She's a liar. She's a liar. She's a liar, um, Norman. I like her. I like yeah. her. She seems pretty a, cool. That was the ghost like you're going to sit on the bed and like have drinks with. Yeah, she seemed very nice. Have and like coffee. she wanted to Yeah, she wanted to be helpful. To yeah. She's like, "What can I do for you, dear?" Um, you know, when she she came in there, she's asking for help and she's like, "Well, what can I do for you, dear?" But it was funny. She's like, "She's a liar." So it's like this house is full of all these ghosts and Poppy's like the bad seed cuz she's the insane yeah. one stuck in this house. They all gossip um, about each other. It's it's funny to see that um, there's a ghostly family drama in this yeah. house. That the drama doesn't go away just because you're dead. I mean, we still have family drama. Like, watch out for the the Mario guy because he peeks in on the on a shower and stuff. It's like, oh, oh my god. Gosh. I would much rather have some of those ghosts in front of me that you see than uh, some of those hidden ghosts. That yeah. that creeps me out. I wouldn't want to come out of a room somewhere and see one of them down the hall from me or in a doorway yeah, somewhere. Like the floating one. Ugh. Ugh, no thanks. But I just, I like that whole thing with Poppy. I liked her character. I thought the actress did a great job. There were even some phrases that she used that were common in like the 20s um, in that era, it seems like she comes from. So I thought they did a really great job. I thought she was interesting um i liked how they portrayed her um insanity i think she's interesting but yet it 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 made me just it broke my heart how she used um olivia and i'm not quite sure to what end that she was doing that yeah even if so i guess my opinion or my thought as i kind of think about it more so like my number one again is it the house or is it live i think live probably had some very difficult mental stress, you know, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I think if they were in any other house, it might have escalated to a point, but not to this point. Mm-hmm. So I think the house, Poppy, maybe some other scenarios with it, helped push her even further to that edge, which I guess you could say was the edge she ended up falling off of. But yeah, again, even as I talk about it out loud, I can't, I don't know if I could definitely say it was just the house and I don't think I could just say it was definitely live. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I don't know that we're really supposed to know right now, but I'm, I'm there with you. It's, it's, it's confusing, but yeah, my number three was Poppy. Um, She's, she's something else. I don't know if we'll see her again or not, but Maybe that's what Haunting of Hill House 2 will be. It'll just be about Poppy. Just Poppy? Yeah. I could do almost an entire series about Poppy and her family, <laughs> go back in time and could just kind of see that. That And just would other be families that have lived there and she like fucks with them and she like messes with them. And yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it would, yeah. I think that's kind of what she was doing is just fucking with her. But so what's your number three? So my number three uh, is simply it's, it's rat poison. Oof. So we see Liv leave. We see her come back. And Shirley goes downstairs to get something to drink. And she sees an instant. I feel like as a, as a frequent TV viewer, whenever you see focus on something, it's like the <laughs> shotgun. You know it's going to come into play. It was like a big neon arrow yeah. pointing to that rat poison So bottle. we see... 
we see Hugh step back because he's still like the whole wall is still messed up. And like, instead of focusing on him, they focus on that rat poison. You're like, okay, what's going to happen mm-hmm. here? And when uh, Liv comes back home, we see her go back downstairs. And I was like, ah, oh, she's going to grab the rat poison. Yep. And the show's done a really good job of making me feel smarter than I really am because they give you like a split second to catch up to be like, or maybe, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, you see that and you're like, oh my God, she's going to do something that with her kids, I bet. And then you see her in the kitchen and you hear clinking of teas. You're like, oh my God, tea set. That's the no. tea party. But it's but, it's disturbing because your mind doesn't want to go there. Yeah. That's what well, that she's was such, doing. I mean, that was such a real kind of moment because i mean you hear i mean i've heard stories growing up about because it's always Mm -hmm. a sad thing we hear about something like that happening i mean yes you know there's stories of parents that do these things to their kids Mm -hmm. and you don't like that feels like real life monsters and you can't process how somebody could ever do anything like that and here you are kind of watching it in slow motion yeah and what is intriguing about this is when you see it happen in the back of my mind, at least I'm like, Oh, well at least you didn't go through with it because we know that Luke and Nell are both still alive to the Uh point after this. So you're like, okay, so somebody stopped it. And the other creepy thing that happens with this, when Shirley comes down and sees her, she doesn't invite her to this tea party. She doesn't have any intention of doing anything with any of the other kids because she's kind of thinking along the lines of like, oh, well, they've they've grown up too much. I can't keep them young forever. Mm-hmm. They and don't she, need their mommy anymore is kind yeah, of what I got. Oh, my gosh. And then when she sees Shirley, too, and she's telling her about this, she's like, are you dreaming, too? I know. God, it's so sad to see how it's, far she's yeah. fallen. And thank God Shirley went and said something yes. to, uh, to her dad. But, but still a little too late. Yeah. Because we learned a few other things in this episode. We did learn a few things in this episode for sure. Oh, but, yeah, I know. And and they did it in the basement scenes too when when we find out about the mold and we find the body in the wall. The the focus uh on the rat poison happens a couple times then too and you don't I mean it like you said when you see things kind of in focus like that or when they kind of focus on it for a moment and it um allows you to read the label and, um, you know, you're kind of like, huh, all right. So that must mean something. Now we know they're talking about some possible rats, but it feels like it's a little bit more than that. And then yes, in this episode, uh, we again are reminded there's rat poison in the house. And then of course, when Liv comes down the stairs in the basement and sees it, um, you know, uh, so yeah, um, thinking of what, what was happening here just broke my heart realizing that this is where it was going to go because we didn't know what Poppy was whispering in, in, in Olivia's no. ear when she's telling, she's like, well, I've got a secret, you know, talking about how she can keep her children safe forever, that you can wake them out of those dreams. You can wake them up and protect them forever and they'll never have another dream and they'll always be safe. And, you know, um, and it was so disturbing to hear Luke and Olivia or Luke and Nell talking, pretty much describing exactly what their deaths were going to be. Yeah. Now, right now, Luke is still alive. Uh, let's, you know, say a little prayer over him or whatever you got, throw some good vibes his way that that's not how he ends up. 
um, and that he somehow doesn't uh, meet the fate that we saw and that Olivia saw when she opened the door to the Red Room and instead of her her reading room, it was the morgue, and she saw mm-hmm. Nell um, and then tripped, about tripped over Luke on the floor. Uh, but it was disturbing to see these adorable little children talking so bleakly about, you know, that you're going to send us out into the dark, and I'm going to be so sad that I'm going to be sad for years and months, and then I'm, you know, I, then I just have to die and then Luke is talking about like you said injecting poison into his arm and you know that's how he dies and it's like it's so disturbing to see little cute little children talking about their adult deaths that way it was just and you can't imagine I mean if you're I think that you don't have to be a parent for it to impact you but I think if you are a parent it really hits you in the feels um, you know thinking of you know because you kind of put yourself in that in that position and, and you know kind of thinking of that being your child or children saying that thing to you and it just because we would do anything for our kids right we would do anything to um, to keep them safe and it's so relatable when uh, Olivia and Mrs. Dudley are having that conversation about keeping your kids safe and that you just try to do the best that you can and send them out into the world and you know, hope that they're going to be safe and, and you've done everything that you can. And it's, um, and that's true because that is all that truly that you can do. Um, but she just, uh, she was going another route <laughs> in, this, yeah. in this episode. Well, I think um, when you're talking about the uh, young Nell and Luke, I mean, whenever you see kids talking about things, like especially specific to them that are like way adult, you mm-hmm. know, like, it, it always kind of breaks my heart because it's like when you're a kid, you have that child innocence. Yeah. And you want to be able to let kids hold on to that for as long as they can. And once that spark or that little bit of magic's gone, mm-hmm. you know, because oh, fucking life's too hard as is. So you don't want to be like yeah. a seven-year-old kid being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a drug addict. Or I mean, like you always hear stories, again, talking about too much real-life stuff, but, you know, kids that have to deal with real-world stuff at too young of an age, it just sucks. and. And unfortunately, these kids had to deal with that too. And once their mother passed away, so I know. And and when they, Nell is saying, you know, because you know, what if I can't wake up because you sent me out into the dark? And what's really sad is that this whole damn thing is what makes them spiral that way. Anyway, yeah. they're predicting it, and and by this house affecting Olivia the way that it did, it pretty much predicted exactly what was going to happen that because of what happened and they lost their mother this is exactly what ends up happening or at least to to Nell I Luke at least the last time we saw him was still alive so I'm going right now since that's all that I've seen is that Luke Luke is right now Luke Luke is um right now still alive and that he won't end up um you know dead at the end I hope not I really don't but because we've already lost Nell but you know, to to know that the events that happened this night and what happened to their mom and losing their mom is what set all of this off in motion and that Nell, you know, and yes, other things did happen to Nell in her life that just made her so sad that all she could do was just die. Um, and then, you know, the tragedy of what happened to them is what sent Luke into using drugs um, and has put him in, um, you know, he seems to be better now. Hopefully he stays, but it's made Shirley who she is. It made Steve who he is, Theo, all of them. It's everything that they went through. It's it's because of what happened. And I think this show does such a great job of just reminding us that you don't quite get over your childhood traumas. You just repress them and live them out. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that, that was, that was really good. I kind of just ran railroaded all over your, was that oh, your no, number you're three? Good, great. So totally that was my number three. Over. Yeah. So, uh, what do you have for your number two? Number two, I want to talk a little bit about Hugh. I have been, uh, trying to give Hugh, um, uh, you know, a lot, 
of uh you know leeway here and 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 some benefit of the doubt i i have really liked him uh, probably more older hugh younger hugh seems to grate my nerves just a little bit um i do like him but i was really upset with him in this episode because i feel like he waited way too long to recognize that olivia needed help and he should have acted much faster in recognizing olivia's decline but he was like so caught up in the repairs uh and then of course the finding the mold in the basement and that becoming such a big job because he's doing it himself and he has so much on him and then the stress of like are we going to finish this house i'm going to be over budget and all of these things happening that you know i get that these are things that um you know has probably distracted him but he he kind of almost seemed more focused on steve too like olivia's telling him you know about these dreams that she's having and what's ex- what he's experiencing and he just jumps in i think i was too hard on steve today because that was apparently the incident in the basement when he cut his hand on the fan and um he told steve to uh you know oh go upstairs go outside and play i think i've you know, I've got it from here. And, um, you know, Steve kind of took that kind of hard. So he was talking about that. He's like, I think I was too hard on Steven. And, you know, and he keeps talking about that later too. Like he's more worried about how it's affecting Steven. It's like, dude, your wife is falling apart in front of your eyes. You are supposed to know her better than anyone. Um, and you can clearly see she's not herself. You know, I wish he had, you know, paid a little bit more attention to it and that he hadn't waited till she's holding a screwdriver at his neck, um, to, to try and, and, help her to listen to her, to pay attention to her and get her out of that house. Um, Cause he's had that conversation already with Mr. Dudley about, you know, getting her out that happened when they were down in the basement and they saw the plans when Olivia had, uh, you know, uh, drawn the crazy uh, shining plans. I'm going to call them. Um, so I don't know. I was just, I was just a little bit perturbed at Hugh. Even he even sees her coming down the hall. She wakes up the next day, the day that she's supposed to be leaving and her headache is so bad. She's in so much pain. There's all those workers in the house all over the place. Oh, and yeah. she kind of stumbles in the hall a little bit, leans against it. And he kind of looks at her and he's like, Liv, you okay? And just keeps on going. And I'm like, no, no, she's not okay. Stop and talk to her and get her, get her some help. She's declining fast. And then we see how it ends up. When yeah, it I think goes that, too far. That's just an example of being way over your head and working too hard and not not paying attention. And it, I mean, it's it's. I think it's tough to say like, well, why didn't he notice? Because I think he did. But I mean, how many of these houses have they flipped that maybe they were stressed before and maybe they kind of got along with it? But now, yeah. I know it's tough because it's the same in real life. We beat ourselves up when people that we know or love, friends, family, loved ones that probably needed help and could have been showing signs that they needed help and we didn't reach out. We were too busy or too caught up in our own lives to take the time to reach out. I think it's so important with so many suicides that happen in today's world and that happen so suddenly and without warning. And I know that a lot do happen without more warning. I know a lot of people are like, they showed no signs. They had absolutely no mental health issues. We had no idea. Um, but I think sometimes there are some signs and I think that people sometimes silently reach out for help. And I think we all just need to try to be more aware and awake and asking people if they're okay. Um, you know, and just kind of being there. And it just, I think this kind of just struck a chord with me cause I'm like, dude, wake up. You know, I get that you're busy. You've got people all over your house. You've got these huge, massive, expensive repairs. You know, you're dealing with this mold issue and that's taking up a lot of your time. But, you know, um, your wife is slipping in and out of, (laughs) 
you know, this, this, whatever it is that's happening, whether you want to say it's mental illness, whether you want to say it's the house messing with her. Um, and I, I think at sex, I think you can see how it really wears on him and how he really does blame himself for that in the, um, older version of Hugh, yeah. um, that he didn't do something, but, um, I don't know. And whether or not he could have stopped it, I don't know. Cause he did get her out, but she came right back. So yeah. I don't know if, if he had gotten to it within a day or two before that, if it would have made a difference, would she have gotten on the plane? Would she have gotten away to her sisters and then actually gotten better for it? I don't know, but it just, it kind of aggravated me that he, um, it took that long. So that's my thoughts on it. Anyway, <laughs> That's my number two. <laughs> kind of got to beat up on Hugh just a little bit. It's <laughs> a good number two. Uh, so my number two, um, it's simply Abigail. Oh, we're so, going to go there. Yeah. So this whole show, we've talked about Luke and his ghost friend. He's like, no, she exists. No, she exists. She's real. And it's, it's, it's kind of thrown out little trickles of like, um, well, she lives in the woods. And again, like this whole show, we're just thinking, oh, it's ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the rat poison tea party get created. Mm-hmm. We see Liv go into the room to get the kids, and she almost steps on Luke. And at first, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's that's you know, Luke's on the floor because Ghost Abigail's in his bed." And then, but Liv sees her and is like, "Oh, who are you?" And again, I'm still kind of like, "That's kind of odd." And then the way that Abigail talks was kind of odd, but she was wearing pajamas too. Mm-hmm. And again, the show, like I said, does a great job of making you feel smart because as she gets out of bed, I'm like, holy fuck, that's the Dudley's kid. Like it has to be the Dudley's kid. That's that's the theory going around is that she has to be the Dudley's little girl. Yeah. And they get upstairs and we see her be the one to take a drink. And she was real. Yeah. It was, God, this show has a way of subverting your expectations because we have this whole time just assume Luke, because there's ghosts everywhere. We see them in every episode and everywhere. And, you know, she does look kind of creepy how you'll see her at the edge of the woods. You know, Luke will kind of look at her and you see her just kind of standing on the edge of the woods looking silent and creepy. So, of course, we're all thinking that she's a ghost. Uh, And we find out the reason most everyone couldn't see her why everyone's like she's just she's not real she's your imaginary friend luke um because she's so sneaky and she can't really be away from home that often so she comes and kind of plays with luke a little bit and she's got to run back and no one else really sees her so and then we know that like um you know some like some ghosts you can see and some of the ghosts you can't see and so when olivia sees her and doesn't just like, you know, what are you talking about, Luke? There's no one there in your bed. Because yeah. um, we see her and Olivia sees her and it's like, oh, my God, th- I, I think she's real. And it's totally blowing me away. And uh, and then, of course, we heard ta- uh, Mrs. Dudley talk of her daughter. And she said that her daughter was the same age as these kids that she heard that were moving into this house. And that's yeah. why she had agreed to help uh, when, Ms. Moon, when Mr. Dudley had asked her to help. Um, so... And she almost said her name and didn't. Crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy that this show just just floors you. Every time you're 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 dealing with one thing, you're dealing with Olivia poisoning her children with a tea party, and you've got this 
Abigail, who you swear was a ghost and turns out to be real, and your mind is just blown. At least for me, my mind was blown. Well, and the thing for her sharing that tea, having Abigail go there, she since she was the first one to drink the tea and the only one to really drink it till it cooled off. Mm-hmm. I mean, her drinking it and basically dying kept her kids from drinking it because at yeah. that point they're like, "Whoa, what the hell's going on here?" Yeah, and that was enough time for Hugh to get up there. Yeah, that and Nell being a chronic tea blower because of the hot tea. <laughs> she just kept blowing on the tea, kept blowing on the tea. <laughs> that but, saved her. Yeah, that's, that's my number two is just Abigail. And again, just curious to see how all this plays out in our next episode. I have a, I have a theory as to, because we talked about what the hell did Hugh do in those hours um, before he called the police? Because we know mm. that he dropped the kids off at the motel. And that he went back to the house, and it was three hours before. Well, I don't. It, I don't think we know about the. I don't think the police know about Abigail when they said, "Oh, and that other body." Yeah, that's. that's what I was it's got to be the up. body in the basement. That's what I'm thinking too. We know about um, Olivia found dead there at mm. the in the library, and he said the other body, and he's like, "Well, that we didn't have anything to do with that. That wasn't us, you know. That yeah. was, you know." Well, he, and the kids never mentioned anything about that either. Like, I felt like something would slip if they, if somebody else knew about this other body. Mm-hmm. But Nell and Luke were probably too young to really remember it, or they blocked it out. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know at what least, he did. Well, in the mo- but what was interesting, and and I thought that the police had talked to their children, but everyone keeps telling Luke, Luke, Abigail's not real; she's imaginary. So he's mm. six years old, and if the police are talking, because he tells, um, remember, all the children are in the motel room and they're talking, and uh, they said, "Well, Luke, what do you remember?" And he goes, "We were in the red room with mommy and uh, Nell and Abigail having tea." And we, I remember thinking, Abigail, what the hell? Yeah. What, what is she doing here? Um, or, you know, and but everybody, nobody ever saw her except for Nell, but they're children. They can just write that off and say, well, they're only six. They're children. Yeah. You know, they just kind of pass that off. And the only one that would really know for sure is Olivia and she's dead and Hugh. And he's, I think he, I think he, I think he did something with um, Abigail and hit her. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Hid the body somewhere, and oh, sh- what if that's what's like causing all this? Is like a revengeful Abigail. Oh God, I don't know. She seems like, so sweet though. Yeah. That was so sad that now she's trapped in that house forever, yeah. and she's a part of the house because Luke saw her uh, right after it happened when he was waiting for his dad to come back down in the car, and he's like, "There's Abigail." Well, and then when uh, in previous episodes when. Nell went back to the house. Mm-hmm. I think it was Nell. And they go upstairs with her mom. Yes. Abigail's there too. Yes, that's right. Abigail goes up the, uh, she follows him up that spiral staircase and Abigail was there. Um, oh, but yeah, just that's my tragic. number two is Abigail. Poor, they, poor Abigail. They went there. That was so that damn was sad. Very disturbing to see. It was sure. very disturbing when she, yeah, because when she, I was still kind of questioning it just a little bit like, is she real? Is she not? What the yeah. hell's going on? I don't know what to think. I'm so confused. Whether there's tea, they're in the red room, but there's mold all over the walls. It, it looks different. What's going on? And then when she starts choking and foaming at the mouth, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, it, just absolutely crazy. Well, my number one is the tea party. And we've kind of talked about that already, but I wanted to talk a little bit about when Hugh wakes up and he's looking for Olivia and the children because he's like, what the hell's going on? Why is she here? She's not supposed to be here. Um, And he is 
getting the kids out of the house. And he that's when we see from where the one episode ended when he comes around the corner and he starts to run into the red room. Well, now we see what happens when he went into the red room, what he saw. Um, but I thought it was so damn creepy when he's running around the house and you see like a flash um, and all the ghosts are standing yeah. down that hallway up there in the up uh, by the where you go down the stairs and they're all just standing there while he's looking for Olivia. Oh my god, I thought I was gonna piss myself. <laughs> um, it was terrible. And we've talked about Abigail and how disturbing that was. Um, and and knowing that he was just a little bit too late getting to the room, but he was able to to clear the table with the tea and prevent the, his children. Uh, from from drinking that, and it's no wonder, really, that Nell and and Luke are the most like tra- like traumatized of all the children of what they went through. Because even though they were six and and act like they don't remember that much, clearly they enough of that has been suppressed in their memories. Um, and then just of course, on top of losing their mom to suicide at such a young age. Um, all of that on top of each other just really doesn't surprise me that they're the ones that are more messed up than all of the kids. I mean, they're all messed up in their own way, but they're definitely the the worst of the bunch. And I think this tells us why they are. So yeah, that was my number one. It's just this whole tea party and how disturbing that really was. And when Olivia is standing over Abigail and it's like, she kind of comes out of her yeah. haze and she's like, oh my God, what did I do? And she's freaking out thinking, oh my God, I, what 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 happened? And then she sees Abigail standing in the doorway and she goes, are you awake now? Yeah, like she almost like <sighs> slipped right back into it. Yeah, because she's like, oh, but you're okay. You're safe. You're okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not really here dead on the floor uh, from freaking rat poison. Um, so damn sad and so damn tragic. This episode was mo- a lot more sad uh, than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be pretty scary just based on what we had seen in the previous episodes, but it was so damn sad. Mm-hmm. So did you have, let's see. Oh, it's notes. What's your number one? Do you want it to go into more? Uh, into uh, number my one? number one was just, yeah, is it the house or is it uh, live? So I think we still have a lot of questions on that. Uh, notes wise, I've got a couple, mostly it's kind of lines that were kind of creepy. Uh, so one, when she was talking to Shirley, we kind of mentioned it, but it was basically where she says something along the lines like kids need their mommies and then they don't. Yeah. Like in the way it was delivered and everything, like it that just cut really, really deep. It did. Didn't she say that to Cheryl when she's like, kittens don't always need their mommies? And she was kind of talking, I think, about them. And then she calls the twins kittens when she takes them to the tea party. She's like, Come on, kittens. That's a good that's a good Mm. bad callback. I know. I know. Uh, It's just ugh. Um and then and it's it's always kind of Creepy, I guess. But then when she's talking about her dad, she says, when daddy died, I made it rain rocks, mm-hmm. which was another just kind of like unsettling statement. It was. Um, the last thing I have, uh, I swear, did you notice when, I swear twice I saw this, whenever she went to like wipe her face. Now, I don't want to be a dick here because it could just be <laughs> that she has really big hands. But in these two moments, it looked like a man's hand, like, wiping away her face. I I rewound it and watched it. There's the scene where she's sitting after Hugh is, like, asking her about the the shapes and the the master map. Mm -hmm. And she says, maybe I need to go. She goes to, like, wipe her face. That was the second time, I think. But it just looks like her hand is just, like, massive man hand. 
Oh, gosh. And then there's another scene where she was in, I think she was when she was in the, it was after she tripped from seeing old Nell and old Luke in the moratorium or the mortuary or whatever oh, it was. Yeah. And she kind of falls back and she does the same thing. She kind of sits there, kind of composing herself and she lifts her hands up, hand up and kind of like wipes away at her face. Hmm. Watch I did both not those notice. scenes. Her hand just looks. I, I swore it was a man hand and it creeped me out. <laughs> I'm I'm studying now my own hands because I have like ginormous hands. Like I I was you know could could grip a basketball. Um, <laughs> I have like these ginormous long fingers and um, I did well, not it, notice that. But that's it interesting. Me, it was enough for me to make a note, and I was expecting something to happen with that in this episode, and it didn't. So I was debating on if I should bring it up because people were like, "Oh my God, Sean, quit being an asshole." Quit, quit hand shaming her. <laughs> <laughs> but what notes did you have? So a couple that I haven't already mentioned. Um, I wanted to talk about the one scene that just, again, kind of took me off guard and was just kind of disturbing in of itself is when Olivia was in the mortuary room with Nell on the slab. Nell rises up and she's trying to say something, but she grabs the scissors that are next to her, and I swear, I thought she was going to oh, try yeah. to stab Olivia with that. That's what that's I was thinking, too. kind of what you expect to happen, right? But no, no, what do they do? They decide to go for something slightly more disturbing, and that is to use those scissors to cut the wire holding her jaw shut. Yeah. <sighs> Which I didn't realize they did that. They do, because there's the, the muscles are still like, you know, contracting and moving and doing things after the person has died, even after they've been embalmed from what I understand. Um, see, I told people, I tell you, I'm obsessed with death. I know way too much about this shit after you die. But yeah, I've also heard that they have to sometimes either sew or glue your eyelids shut mm. to keep your eyelids closed so they don't open while you're like, if you have an open casket at yeah. your funeral, they have to like seal all those they seal lips and they do wire the jaw shut so that it doesn't involuntarily open um, and basically scare the shit out of everyone there at the funeral. Yeah. Um, but that I thought was really interesting because I really thought they were going to go for, oh, let's stab mommy. Instead, we're going to scream mommy. <sighs> How hard? How hard would that be? I mean, I my heart totally went out to live as a mother and thinking about seeing, you know, because she doesn't recognize her children right yeah. away. And to see, can you imagine how that must be? feel i mean god totally messed up but anyway i thought that was just kind of a disturbing scene seeing her cut those uh the wire and screaming mommy um so we talked a little bit about the theory of all of these random rooms the evil room of requirement the red room um is the reading room the game room the tree house the playroom i so i saw online someone took screenshots of each of those rooms uh, with the children or Liv or whomever was in them. Um, if you notice, uh, if you look again, the window, there is a view of when they're showing from the doorway, there's the window that's, that you're facing. It is the same window in every oh, room. Interesting. That's even good, in the, good even in the tree house. So I think that that just um, is a good, you know, little, hey, we're the same. I wanted to mention just a little bit about how I think this house does affect Olivia. Olivia's outfit at the end, and I wanted to kind of just mention that ending a little bit too. When Olivia jumps off the damn balcony and um, dies, and it's just so goddamn sad. 
And what makes it even more sad is if the whole damn episode isn't tragedy enough, they cut to when they first arrived at the house in the beginning of the summer and they come through the doors. Um, but did you notice Olivia's outfit? She was wearing like this, um, almost kind of like a tank top looking outfit and those long, oh God, I hated those long shorts so much. Um, <laughs> does she look like a normal 90s mom? This is supposed to be like 1992. She's wearing these shorts that oh, are like the yeah. Bermuda shorts or something. They're not Bermuda <laughs> shorts, but they're those long shorts that go to your knees and like this tank top and her hair is kind of braided or taken off to the side a little bit. She looked like a normal 90s mom. All we've talked about a lot throughout the series is how odd her wardrobe is. She's wearing these flowy satin dressing gowns, these satin nightgowns that look very out of time for her. I think it was the house doing it to her before we even knew the house was messing with her because the house seems to be kind of stuck in time. I don't think that those were really all of her clothes, these really nice dressing gowns. So I think this is a really big clue as to the the shift in Liv and how long it's been happening because she shows up and she's completely, she looks very normal. She looks like a, any other 90s mom. And then in the middle and the end of this, she's wearing these flowy dressy gowns that are so out of time and, and seem to be out of place. Hmm. I just thought That's it was a clue. A That's a good poll, yeah. But I just, again, that ending was so cruel. Um, again, as if we can't make it any more sad, we have to give that final line when the kids are all excited, they're exploring the house, they want to go see their rooms. Um, Hugh's like, you know, hey, come on, let's. you, you going to come with me? And she says, you guys go on without me. And that was her final line. And he goes, yeah. how could we? And they they do they ha- they don't they don't essentially they don't go on without her. <sighs> yeah, we we're, we're getting like spine tingling goosebumps from fear, and now you're getting them from like feels. Yeah, like emotional feels. It is the feels in this one for sure? So that's all the notes that I've got that I haven't already talked about. Good notes. Oh my gosh! I and and here we are. We're ready for the finale. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping I get a chance to watch it. If not tonight, hopefully tomorrow. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, but I want some answers. Um, So with that being the end of our top five and all of our notes, uh, we'll go into some of the news. So we do have a couple of hidden ghosts. I know everyone loves the hidden ghosts. We didn't have any in the last one, but we did have some. Sean and I did talk about them earlier. So there was one lingering in the archway. So uh, this one, when Hugh, in the opening scene, uh, when Liv and the twins are asleep on the couch and uh, Hugh has Luke uh, in his arms, if you look behind him on the right side of the archway, someone is hanging around. Um, completely creepy. It's, it looks like the tall man ghost, kind of. Maybe not as freakishly tall, but he looks kind of out of proportion a little bit, kind of weirdly tall. So check him out on the right side of the archway behind Hugh as he's talking to Olivia and she's kind of, what the hell's going on? Uh, okay, so this one we talked about, uh, it's a hidden ghost, but I don't think he was that well hidden. No. In the kitchen. Um, So this one's got a lot of people talking, um, probably because this one is the easiest of the bunch to spot. Uh, We don't have to tell you where he is. You definitely saw it as you watched and maybe like me screamed. And that is that ghost uh, in the window uh, whenever Luke and Shirley are arguing over uh, he's wanting new clothes for Abigail. Uh, The dude doesn't move. He's there the entire time, literally just right in your damn face. Um, Pretty sure everyone saw him. Uh, then there was one under the stairs. What the hell happened underneath those stairs? There's always yeah. 
something uh, around those stairs and the archways and especially where that room is. So um, the foyer of Hill House may be its most subtly haunted room. If you look to the right of the stairs as Liv is leaving, this is when she's telling her family goodbye and she's leaving for what we think is Aunt Janet's. One of the figures is just standing there like he belongs there. I mean, he is not hiding. He's standing right there in the archway. So They're just polite ghosts. They like to say hi and bye to everybody. They like to make it feel welcoming when you come into Hill House. Why not? We're just going to, well, in, in this case, he's uh, giving her a nice little send off. Hey, Liv, we'll see you soon. Have a good trip. We'll be here when you get back. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God damn it. This show so damn scary. Um, we have a little piece from the rap. So uh, someone, we had a, a really nice listener um, send us an article in regards to something you and I talked a little bit about in our last episode about uh, the five stages of grief and the children representing those stages of grief. Um so I guess we had some confirmation of that. They were nice enough to send me an article. So from the rap, it says each of the five children, uh, yes, adult children represent one of the stages of grief. Um, this was first pointed out by Tumblr user Caged Bird Song was one of the first to call out that amazing detail about Mike Flanagan's TV adaptation of the Shirley Jackson uh, novel showing that Steve is denial, Shirley is anger, Theo is bargaining, Luke is depression, and Nell is acceptance. And yes, that's also going in birth order. So good call, Sean. I think yeah, you we talked uh, about that last week. Yeah, kind of pointed that out, and we talked a little bit about that. How, um, and then apparently it was conf- we think confirmed, unless Mike Mike Flan- Flanagan just likes to mess with people. He kind of retweeted uh, that uh, little story and said a good catch. Oh, nice. So well, I just check that too because you have the link in there, and that came from mm-hmm. October. So unless they went to the future and listened to our episode, they went back in time to post it. They probably were the first ones to see it, but. Probably. We got to it a little bit late, but hey, we're a little smart here. We figured some of this shit That's out. Right. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of credit, a little bit of pat on the back, a little cheers, a uh, sip of wine here. We're not too bad. Good job, buddy. Okay, so that's all the news that we have for this week. I hope to have a little bit more news uh, next week now that uh, once I finally watched the finale and I don't have to worry about spoilers because <laughs> there's spoilers in every damn article. So I appreciate everybody sending us little things like, it's okay, this won't spoil you. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate that. Um, but now we're going to move on to messages from the room beyond the red door, our listener feedback portion. All right, our first one comes from Lindsay Slitch. And so now we know Olivia also had an imaginary room with her reading room as Luke questions the room when she mentions it. I think you guys are right. The house is giving each person a room to keep them there. We must have missed what the room was for Shirley in her episode. This concept reminds me so much of an old favorite episode of X-Files where Mulder and Scully stumble into a patch of carnivorous mushrooms that release hallucination indoor spores to keep their prey content and still so they can feed upon. There's also a, a supernatural episode where they talk about genies, mm-hmm. where genies do the same thing. Oh. They basically put you in like a cocoon that they feed off of, and Ew. they grant you wishes essentially where you think you're living this thing, but you're not. Really cool kind of concept. Nice. Uh, let's see. So back to our note. So I think this house is probably feeding upon its habits in a similar way. The actress who plays Miss Dudley was on X-Files. Maybe she helped with the idea. I'm curious why the room would show Olivia her adult children dead. Was it so she would actually kill them in the house? Dead Nellie cutting the ties in her teeth was so disturbing. I remember this entire scene from the previews and thinking, what the fuck is this show? (laughs) If only I knew what was in store. 
I enjoy the scenes with the 20s type flapper ghost, Poppy. Yep, it was Poppy. Yep. Uh, the actress was very interesting. It reminded me of a very young Carol Burnett. I could see it. Uh, are we to believe she also killed her own children? Not sure. Uh, are they go- are they ghosts in the house? Potentially. And uh, what's with Abigail? Did Olivia just kill a real kid? So many questions and only one episode left. Ack. Yeah, good notes, Lindsay. I, I remember that episode of the X-Files. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, um, if you haven't listened to us forever, uh, I'm a huge fan of the X-Files. And yes, the actress who plays Mrs. Dudley, with um, Annabeth Gish, was on the X-Files in the later years. Um, so she's really great. Yeah, maybe she did. Um, I think, so They her question here is... Uh, would she, did she actually kill them in the house? Why would they show Olivia, her adult children, dead? I think that that was to drive the point home that Olivia needed to, like, this was all a dream and she needed to wake her children up and also to keep them safe. And that if she sent that, because she thought the outside world is what's going to destroy her children, take her children away from her, and that they weren't going to be safe out there. And I think this was a way of showing them, like, this is what's going to happen to your kids. And um, I think this was a way for the the house to convince her that she needed to wake her kids up. Yep, really great. Um, we have a voicemail this week from our good friend Steve Brown. Okay, hey Sean Reem, it's Steve. Um, I've had a couple of drinks, so I'm going to try to keep this coherent. Uh, this is about <laughs> so have I. <laughs> I. I literally just finished watching it freaking scared the hell out of me uh but anyway uh the guy i i I made some bullet points so i'm gonna try to list them here quickly not i don't want to spend too much time okay yeah the guy was working on the clock again mario (laughs) mario working on the clock um (laughs) olivia uh telling you about her vision i thought was really really uh good it was a, a good one of those moments when married couples they tell each other nightmares and stuff um (laughs) <laughs> Sean, Sean, you should appreciate this. You know, what could have been uh, sexy poppy time turned into a really dark scene there <laughs> when she's talking to poppy. Um, and uh, I love seeing the scenes that we already saw from Olivia's point of view. Um, Abigail is real. I put an exclamation point next to that in my notes. Uh, I liked how this was really fast paced. Compared to, uh, especially the last episode, I know, uh, uh, Sean, you said you weren't very fond of the last episode, but this one was really fast-paced, it seemed to me, it seemed to go. Um, Olivia kept calling them kittens, reminding me of the, the episode with the kittens that, that died, that were all diseased and nasty. Uh, Hugh uh, or Olivia, they see all the ghosts uh, on that night, you notice. And even when Olivia's walking through the house earlier that day, we see other people in older, like older timey kind of clothes. And I think those were ghosts that she was seeing. Um, just, uh, really enjoyed this episode, especially watching it this, this second time around because this, this penultimate episode is leading to the final confrontation between, the cranes and the house. Uh, I can't wait uh, to watch it again. I can't wait to hear what you guys think of the final episode w- when we watch it. And uh, ooh, this is uh, this has been a series that uh, I will probably a few months from now go back and rewatch again. 
just because it's 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 so good and there's so much that you can that you can see. Uh, okay, can't wait to hear what you guys thought of it. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I uh, I tried to allude to that earlier <laughs> where I said with well, Hugh woke up and saw that, uh, but you know that's gosh. Our listeners know you so well, <laughs> so well. That cracks me up. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you—that's hilarious. It's like he heard exactly what you were saying and then uh, sent in this voicemail. I love it. He's Thank like, you. I, I feel a disturbance in Sean's force. I wonder what's going on right now. <laughs> it's Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for your feedback. I love hearing what you guys have to say and interacting with you guys um, on our social media pages. And when you guys send us emails and voicemails, um, please continue to write in and interact with us. I have a really great time uh, talking with, with you guys. So thank you so much for taking the time to write in. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks everybody. All right. So next week we'll be covering the 10th and final episode from the haunting of Hill house titled mm-hmm. silence lay steadily. The description for this episode is the Red Room's contents are finally revealed as the cranes return to the house to confront old ghosts, unspeakable secrets, and instable de- evil. Instable. Instable de- evil. Oh, it's oh, insatiable. Oh, oh, oh. Insatiable. Yeah, there we go. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh, I'm a little tongue-tied myself. This this whole series has got me so emotional. Um, it's It's crazy. I don't know if I'm ready. I just don't know. We're going to see how, how mentally stable I am by the time the series wraps. I might be as uh, frazzled and uh, scattered as a poor Olivia. Um, <laughs> so don't drink any tea if I offer you any. Um, we're really excited. That's really morbid. Scratch that. Um, we're excited for you to join our paranormal investigation. For updates from Hill House, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TeaCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TeaCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and any of the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. So many great podcasts. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, we've got a really cool one coming out this Sunday where we uh, are pitching some movies. So if you like movie pitches, check it out. I love movie pitches. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 70, Screaming Mimis. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Mandy is strange indeed.